Good morning, everybody. I hope uh, your week is going well uh, so far this week. I just got back from uh, South Africa. I've been gone for about two weeks. Uh, watched um, Susan do God stories the, the week I was gone. And then mom, um, boy, they were really good. I know Susan's was good. I haven't had a chance to, to look at mom's yet, but um, I know from watching Susan, she did really well. Um, she, her playing that song during the God stories and letting everybody be ministered to was pretty powerful. Uh, we were watching it last night and uh, even while we were watching it, Susan was again touched by because the, the Holy Ghost was on it. You know, when you look at things where the Spirit of God's on it, uh, a lot of times you can feel the Lord. It doesn't matter how old it is, the Spirit of God never gets old when it touches something. Uh, it's it's kind of like, you know, when they uh, built the tabernacle of Moses, they had to sprinkle the every furniture with uh, with oil. And when God sprinkles something, it stays anointed for eternity. And uh, that's the good thing about uh, walking in the spirit. The things that you touch will have oil on it and it will have God on it. And that's why it's so important even, uh, you know, this day and hour to walk in the spirit and learn his voice. Even those people that are flowing in the spirit and doing art and so forth, uh, the very things that they create, the Spirit of God will be on it. And when that happens, you know, when someone looks at a picture or looks at some type of sculpture or when someone's dancing so forth that's in the Spirit, it has God on it and it touches a lot of people. And that's why it's so important for all of us to, you know, walk in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. And uh, that's pretty much what we're doing now in these God stories is that uh, we want to be able to articulate and be able to show how to walk in the spirit or how what God is saying and how he speaks to us. And uh, there's one particular thing that was on my heart this morning that happened to me while I was in South Africa. Uh, we were went up to a place called Kalari uh, uh, to actually... Uh, hunt and uh, these animals that were they're, they're very big but the villagers there uh, if you saw the villagers there they are in need of food as well and everything that we ended up hunting we gave to the villagers uh, some of you guys you know may not even like that idea of hunting but you know if we if you eat a steak or if you eat chicken or any of that type of nature you know, that, that animal gave its life uh, so that we could eat. Uh, same thing with Jesus. You know, uh, we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood. If he hadn't have given his life to each one of us, we wouldn't be eating from him. And the same goes with a lot of things in our life. Same goes with our life as well, that principle. We've got to give our life uh, over so that others can see Jesus in us and so that they can partake of the Lord. But... Uh, Hold on just a second. I think, uh, hey, my, Susan, I think uh, Mr. Jake needs to go outside. He, yeah, he went to the door. He was right there. He's standing at the door. Yeah, Jake, he was at, normally sits here with me, and he went straight to the door to go to the bathroom. So, and off he goes. <laughs> but, uh, 
but saying that all of that as I was we were driving in the in the area of Kalari uh, in the bush area and I was uh, I'm always trying to take note of what God is saying uh, during my day um, I'm looking for him during the day. Uh, I try to look for him. It's doesn't also not, I don't always pass that test. I think God grades us all on the curve. But there was one particular thing that I happened to take notice. Um, uh, while we were driving in the bush, I was looking at these trees and uh, these trees that uh, were very full of leaves, but some, they were, sort of grayish they were green but they were sort of sort of grayish you could tell that the trees would struggle or were struggling to have water you know uh, continue life there because it was more of a desert type area but uh i would i was watching the trees and as the uh, inside the trees uh, the core of the tree you could tell the leaves were a little bit greener from the outside of the trees and then when you, uh, of the limbs or the branches. And then when it got out toward the ends of the branches, the tree, the leaves of the trees were starting to turn brown and burnt looking. And uh, I, I knew God was trying to speak to me personally about things and uh, of things that he wanted to deal with my life because he was, he was illuminating it to me. And I, I pondered that. I kept asking the Holy Spirit, you know, what are you saying, Lord? What is it that you want to teach me? Not to just give, teach me to give to others, but what is it that you're trying to lead me into so that I can change? And uh, he started to speak to me about the ends of the branches, why they were turning brown. It's because the the ones that are on the tip or the outside were not getting the the water or the nutrients that it needed all the the, the tree uh was gathering water and gathering moisture but it wasn't enough to give to the ones that are on the edges or the outside the new ones the younger ones that were trying to sprout all the other uh uh, the leaves and the and the limbs and so forth were consuming most of the moisture and so those that were on the outside wasn't getting the nutrients that it needed to stay alive and so he started to speak to me about that about being able to be sensitive to the ones that needed the most needed the most needed the nutrients the most was not the ones that were on the inside but the ones that were actually trying to grow on the outside or those that were on the edges or the, those that were afar needed more nutrients than those that were close to the root. And uh, that started to convict me a lot because you know, a good shepherd, if one of his sheep wanders off, he will lead the, leave the 99 just to go get that one. And of course, we, we see that as, you know, being sensitive to those that are far off, those that have left the fold or those that are away from God. But I think there's a little bit uh, more of an inner type uh, foundation of that uh, is the shepherd. It's not about the sheep, even though it is about that sheep that's wandered off, but are we a shepherd that are sensitive to those that are on the outskirts of our life? 
In other words, those that are that are not completely close to us, are we are we so sensitive to when they start to wander off, or are we sensitive to when they are in time of need? You know that good shepherd. You know he has a hundred sheep, and one wanders off. That means he is close to everyone. He is sensitive to those that are in need. He is sensitive to those that that leave the the sheepfold. And are we that way, or or are we so self-consumed in our little core that we forget about the ones you know that are on the outskirts or are not in the core of closeness with us or are we being close to not just the core of our group or are we being close to everyone now i know that we can't be uh being a person you can't be uh intimately close to everyone but you can be have enough love and sensitivity to be able to recognize when someone is, is uh, that's a far off uh that they need help but I honestly, it convicted me because I have not, uh, I've lost a little bit of sensitivity to those that are maybe on the outskirts of, of those folks that have been, that God has led in our life. And it started to convict me. And the Lord's really started to speak to me of a nature that he has, that he is sensitive to those that are on the outskirts, not to those just that are close to him. He's close to the ones that are on the outside and he is close to the ones that are on the inside. And I realized I was not that way. I would, I, I'm more or less, uh, uh, I have an aptitude to be closer to the ones that are close to me, but am I giving nutrients to those that are afar off? Uh, those that are on the outskirts, am I allowing to come into my life so that they can flourish? Or is the core group that I'm around taking all the nutrients that really those that are on the outskirts that need it. And I wanted to read a couple of things here because uh, out of scripture, because the Lord has really uh, shown me some things, uh, even with people that I have that are on the outskirts of my life, or even those that I know that he's put in my life uh, that he's wanted me to invite in. But I have uh, honestly through a, a sense of fear not allowed those to come into my life and to be honest with you sometimes those that I don't allow into my life it I subconsciously may think well what are the others are going to think you know if I allow this person into this group or into this core my core group will the other words others leave you know because they I know this type of person may offend so-and-so that's in my group. It may offend this person, but honestly, that should not be even in my repertoire of thinking, but it is. It's, I believe it's in a lot of our thinking. You know, uh, if we allow someone in the core group of our friends or our church or whatever group we may be leading, we tend to subconsciously, you know, not let them in because, you know, they may offend others. But if they offend others, that means, uh, man, God is working because where there's sparks, you know, there's really true life there. That's when you actually get to grow. But subconsciously, we do this. We will love them from afar or we will go to them without our friends and be their friends on the outside, but never let them in. 
And if we never let them in, they will not get the nutrients that they need uh, from the other groups uh, that God wants to supply them. And uh, I don't want the ends of our branches in our life dying off just because we won't let them in. We don't want those leaves wilting. And uh, there's a few scriptures uh, here that I want to uh, start with. In John 7, 37, 737, it's, uh, let me put this out here. I hope this this helps us all because I, you know that I've, I've read this several times and uh, seven yeah verses chapter 737 it's and I've read this you know through the year this whole year but I want to start I want to take it to another level as far as understanding is concerned because this is really something that we all battle with and I know I've battled with it, but I thought I don't think I would really would have seen it if if God hadn't have unveiled it to me in a strong way just while I was driving in Africa, you know. And this is Jesus, and of course you you guys have heard me say this several times, but I want to read it again just to you know hammer it home. Uh, it says on the last day, the great day of, of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone thirst." Let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now going back to any, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. In other words, Jesus has a, a, an attitude or a nature to allow anyone who wants anything, any type of life from him, if they come to him, he will not reject them. It doesn't matter what type of personality they have. And, you know, a lot of us go on personality. If that personality doesn't match up with something that we like, we tend to, you know, uh, stamp it as some type of evil spirit. But that type of personality you may need for your life to even grow and to be able to dig deep into the Lord to allow water, more waters and more nutrients to come into your life so that you can grow, but also so that you can give it to the ones that God is sending in your life. So I think there's an area where God wants to destroy uh, any type of prejudice, any type of uh, mindset that would allow, uh, would keep us from allowing anyone who wants to drink to come into our life, just as Jesus did. If Jesus is like this, he says, if anyone thirst, anyone, he didn't say anyone that is a nice person, anyone that's, you know, has a good type of personality that kind of melts with me. He can drink. No, he says anyone as through thirst, let him, let him. In other words, if he's saying, let them, let them, him come to me. In other words, we're going to have to let them come to him through us. In other words, we're going to want to not let some of people, some people come into our lives because they don't match up with the type of personality that we want. And if we continue to live that way, then we will find that those that God has sent in our life, they will die out. And we'll have to answer for it when we uh, behold him, when we go step over to the other side, we'll have to answer for our works that we've done here on the earth. And there's another scripture here. It says in Revelations 22, 
Revelations 22, verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever des desires, let, let him take the water of life freely. Now, that's the end of the word of God, you know, toward the end of the Bible. And, and, and it's strange that it says, let the spirit and the bride say. In other words, the end of, the end of the, all ages, there'll be a bride or there'll be a people uh, who love the husband, which is Christ. They will love him so much that they will carry on the divine, same divine nature as he spoke in John 7. We will be like John, like Jesus in John 7. The, the bride will also say, let him who hears come and let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. So there will be a people that will be just like Jesus who was standing on those steps of the temple. They will have no prejudice and they will be sensitive to the ones that are on the outer edges of his tree and he will, they will give them drink. It doesn't matter what type of person they are. If they are hungry or if they are thirsty, they're gonna have their heart open to say, hey, you can come in. We will give you that water that was freely given to us. We will freely give to you. And we'll find the leaves of his trees now flowing with healings for the nations. But we as, though, as believers will have to take on the very divine nature of Jesus. We can't consume it for our own ministry. We can't consume his water and his life for our, just for ourselves. What he gives to us, we must freely give to others, not to those that are liking us, those that are, uh, that their, their personality matches with us. We've got to give it to everyone who, who wants it and who wants to actually be a part. No matter what type of personality they carry, we must freely give his food and his nutrients and his water and his revelations and his, his kindness and his love to all men. Let's read this for a second. This is John 15, uh, verse one. I am the vine, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, it, that it may bear more fruit. In other words, those that the, the, the type of, if you're not bearing fruit in certain areas of your life, he's just going to take it away. He will cut it off. But those, that, those branches, those areas that you are producing fruit, he will start pruning. So there are things that God will take away in your life and never will come back because you're not bear, we don't bear fruit in that area. But those areas that we bear fruit in, you'll find him cutting things off. You'll find him pruning so that you can even bear more fruit. Just as the, the driving Kalari, you know, I, I'm, I've been bearing some fruit in the areas of relationship with the people that God brings to me, but he needs to prune certain areas of, of, that, of that in my life so that I can bear more fruit to give more fruit to other people or more life to other people. So he started convicting me in those areas that I've been bearing fruit in, but I need to bear fruit even more in those areas. 
And I know, and, and this is not being pompous or proud, I know that there are areas in my life, one area is that I have learned to love those that maybe don't even love me. But, I, but I, there are limits to my life in that area. But God wants me not to have any limits. And so at this point in my life, he is pruning these areas and showing me, uh, hey, I want you to bear more fruit in this area. No, pruning me, he's, he's convicting me. He's showing me different strongholds that are keeping, the, basically damming up the river of God where it's flowing to a certain area in my life and it's been good, but he wants to break that area to where there's no limits. And now I can allow that river of God to flow even to more people in my life. And that brings a lot of conviction. It prunes my consciousness so that I can open up and give more in those areas. It says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, neither can you unless you abide in me. So I know that I can't give even more fruit to others if I do not abide in him. Anything that we do uh, outside of God, it really does not bear fruit. It says it here, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. How many of you guys try to bear fruit of yourself and it doesn't, it doesn't, you, you find yourself coming to your wit's end. He says this, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So this was an area I need to abide in him even more. And he says it again in verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. For without me, you can do nothing. In other words, without you partnering with me, the spirit of God, that, that which is Jesus, you, if without partnering with him, we cannot do anything. So I know this is an area I need to partner with even more in my life so that I can bear more fruit to give, the, to, give to those that are, you know, are on the outskirts of my life. And I know that to me, when he starts speaking this to me, I know that there are about to be some leaves in my tree line uh, that are going to start showing up that I am not going to like. In other words, he's going to start sending people in my life that I'm not going to want to abide with. And so I better get ready. All right. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. How many of you guys find yourself withering in certain areas in your life? It could be because you're not abiding with him. You're not partnering with him in that area in your life. You think you can do it on your own. You know, there are certain areas in our life where we go, wham, praise God, man, let's do miracle signs and wonders. But then, you know, you that's where God dwells. But then over here, I'll, in my work area, in my everyday life, I'll do it on my own. But when it's time for miracles or when it's time praying for people or when it's ministry time, I'll let Jesus in my life. But over here, you've got, we've got to let Jesus in our life as much as we do ministry. And so it's the little things that we think that 
Jesus shouldn't be a part of, or I need to do it, you know, myself in this area is where we really need God. If we don't allow him in all facets of our life, we'll definitely not be able to feed all the people that he allows to come into our life and things will start to die out. If there are areas in your life that are dying off, we might want to check, are we allowing Jesus to partner with us in, our, in that area of our life? Is it withering? Is it dying out? Check it. Ask the Holy Ghost. Most of us know what part we let Jesus in and what part we don't. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Now we got to understand here when he says, I am the vine, you know, you are the branches. We've got to understand that Jesus is the headwaters of all of our life. If we're going to have life flowing, then we've got to be tapped into the headwaters of life itself and allow him to flow through all of our life. But as Jesus is the headwaters to flow through all of our life, then we've got to be that representation to others as well. If some come into our lives that are withering, uh, they don't look too well. If a person doesn't look too well, don't we shouldn't, you know, uh, stamp them as some type of spirit. Uh, they may just be a leaf that is withering. They may look like that type of spirit, but it's because they're withering from that spirit. That spirit that is on their life is making them conform or wither into that deathly looking nature. And a lot of times we stamp them as that type of spirit instead of seeing that, my God, that's a leaf on the tree of, on the tree of life that we've got to actually help. Because that, you know, we think the people that are on the outside are not God's people. And we've got to drop that. Every person on the face of the earth is in the image of God. But there's times that we we consider, especially in the Christian charismatic world, uh, we think that our world of believers is the world to be in. And we're worse off than the ones that are in the world, if we believe that way. If we think that we have it, we've got the thing, and we're ostracizing the very ones that are withered, being withered away and being sucked dry by the spirit of this world, and we consider them our enemies, then we're a, a worse enemy against God than they are. It's sad, but it's true. And we've got to drop that barrier that we've kept because he allows all men who are thirsty to come. That means most people that will come in your life are the ones that are thirsty because he's allowing those that are on the outskirts that are in the desert of Kalari. They're dry and thirsty. They're being tormented and they're, they're, God is drawing them to a watering hole to drink from. But if they're not looking the right way and we've got this aptitude of prejudice, then we'll move our water hole from them to allow them to die out. And we'll think that we're doing the right thing. If you want to really free somebody, feed them. If you want to really wake them up, give them a drink. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink. 
for vengeance is his, says the Lord. That's in Romans 12. In other words, in other words, drop your stuff, drop your prejudice, drop your conformity that you think how they, they should conform and just feed them and give them drink and let God do the rest. And man, I'm going to tell you what, I, I've done this. I've done this type of ostracizing certain people because they didn't line up with the way that I think that they should line up. And then I look at Jesus and how he came to me and I was an enemy of the cross and he gave me drink and he gave me food while I was his enemy. And that's what the, that's the very thing that set me free. And when he fed me and gave me a drink, the Holy Spirit became, it allowed the Holy Spirit to have vengeance on the, the enemy that was wilting me in my life. He's the same way. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. And when he is kind to the unthankful and the evil, he releases the spirit of God to do vengeance for him and to destroy the very spirit that are, that's uh, hounding those people. Same way with us. Here we go. This, the other, the title of this one is, that this scripture is the branches are who give place to others. Now watch this, Matthew 13, 31 through 32 says in another parable, he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. It's the little things that give life. The very little things that you probably don't do is the very place that God, that, that God can move in and give life in. Remember that. It's the mustard seed. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. In his field. In his field. It's the little things we do which give life to all. It's not the big things to do, the, the showy things. They're trying to be on Facebook and do live events and stuff like that. It's the little things. It's not the big things that you start sowing in your heart, that you start working on. That creates the big rivers. That creates the big branches. That creates the big life in your life. And it says, which indeed is the least of all seeds. There we go. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. <laughs> so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Okay, we may have lost some of you guys uh, on that. We had an interruption on the player, but I'm going to go ahead and finish this thing because I, I really think it's important. And then you can catch it on the, uh, the part two uh, on our, this webinar. But I'm going to read this scripture one more time uh, where he's, he's uh, at this place of Matthew 19, uh, verse uh, 13. It says, then let the... Then the little children were brought to him and he might, that he might put his hands on them and pray, but the disciples rebuked them. And that most of the people that, in other words, most of the people that we reject in our life are the very ones that God wants to put his hands on. And so you, you've got to understand it's not the people that are in your core group that God's hands wants to be on because they already have that reward of God. It's the ones that 
you don't think should be in your life are the very ones that God is leading in your life that he wants to put their hands on. And now the only way that he can put their hand, his hands on them is that he uses us. He still chooses to use man to get God's jobs done. And you can see that with his, him sending his only begotten son. He got his work done through his son. Now he wants to get his work done through his sons and daughters, plural. And so Jesus rebukes them and he says, let the children come to me and do not forbid them. So force of such is the kingdom of God. And, let his, let, and he laid his hands on them and he departed. Now listen to what he says. He, he said he rebuked them. In other words, he convicted them, which is what he's been, he's been doing to me, you know, for the last, now it's the third week. Uh, he rebuked them. And he says, let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of heaven. Now we look at the children or the people that come to us as, wow, this is, they're part of the kingdom of heaven. That is true. But part of the kingdom of heaven is a spirit. You know, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In other words, righteous, the way of righteousness is allowing them to come into our life. That's the kingdom of God. That type of nature, instead of suffering people to come to him through you, we've got to allow them to come in. That's the kingdom of God. Now, let me read it again. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, that nature that you allow people to come in, that's the kingdom of heaven. And then it said, I'll read it here in uh, Matthew 18, verse 1 uh, uh, through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called the little child, a little child to him, and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself, there it is again, humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And then in other words, welcoming his kids is one of the greatest attributes of Jesus. Think about that. Welcoming his children, welcoming his kids that come in your life, doesn't matter what they're like. Welcoming them in is one of the greatest attributes of Jesus. So in one of these little leaves of your life, your tree, you know, those people that you think are not a part of you, could be the very parts that you need to give water to, give strength to, give Christ to. Don't reject them. Allow them to come in because we start having that type of nature. Uh, we're being a part of the kingdom of God. We're carrying the very attributes of Jesus. We're carrying the attributes of heaven. And it's not gonna be easy. Uh, those types of things, when, when they come into your life, it's not going to be easy because, you know, Jesus grafted us in, uh, into his, his, his tree. And the way you graft branches into a tree is that you've got to cut it open 
fold that, that little piece open and then put that little branch in there and then you bind it together real tight until it becomes the, the, the tree becomes one with the branch and the branch becomes one with the tree. But there's a cutting open. In other words, there's a, there's, it's sometimes painful to allow people that you don't like, those branches that you don't like to be grafted into your life. But when you look at Jesus, they put him on the cross. He, they cut him open by the whipping of the, of the cat of nine tails. They opened up his, his, his uh, forehead and his skin of his head, broke it open so that you, we could come in and have the mind of Christ. It was painful for him. But he did all of that to open it, allow him, the father opened up that tree, cut it open so that he could stick branches that, like the Gentiles, us, so that we could come in and be one with him. And then he binds, binds us together through his Holy Spirit so that we can sprout and have everlasting life in his tree. But that same attribute happens in our life. Some of those people, that those branches that he brings into our life, we're not going to like. But we've got to allow God to do a work in us. And it's not it's sometimes painful for a season because we don't think that they should be a part of our life. But God says yes. And it's painful sometimes to open your, allow God to open yourself up to those that you think that you normally would reject. But when you allow them to come into your life and then you and they allow God to start binding them, start becoming one with your life, they're also becoming one with his life. Because when you open yourself up to the attributes and the natures of God as Jesus, if you want to live like Jesus, then we've got to walk like him. John talks about it. If we say we abide in Christ and we abide in Christ, then we should, should also walk as he walked. And, uh, you know, you look at this, it, I mean, I'll read it in Romans 11, uh, being grafted uh, is sometimes painful. We never think about that. And you look at the cross, they opened up that tree so that he could put other branches in so that we could live. In Romans eleven sixteen, it says, for if the first fruits is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if the sum of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them, became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. In other words, sometimes you, you got to remember when God brings those branches that you think are wild in your life, like you were a wild branch that came into Christ's life, Christ opened up his heart and allowed you to come in and be grafted. He has no fear. He's perfect love. But that perfect love should be abiding in us when a, a wild branch comes into our life. Fear doesn't control us to reject them. It, if, we have, if we have no fear, we stay open to those that want to be grafted in to our life so that they can be grafted into his life. Because we're the representations of Christ. But we've got to live Christ. We can't just talk about it. We've got to live as he lived and be a part of him. If we want to be one, then we should walk as he walks. Not only in heaven now, but walk as he walked in the, the days of old. And then it says, verse 19, so will you say that branches were broken off that I might be grafted in? 
Well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but uh, do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, which is the Israel branches, uh, his own people, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God on those who fell to severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. That, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, if they do, if they do continue in, uh, in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in, uh, in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, who are natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Isn't that amazing? I mean, let's read that again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, he's talking about the Gentiles, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. Think about that. In other words, there are going to be wild branches that are even going to come into our life as we were wild branches that came into Jesus' life, and he accepted us, that those wild branches that come into our life, we should accept as well. It's on the contrary. There's people in my life that I think no way are they ever going to come to Christ. So I, they are, I'm not going to let them in. There's no use in spending time with them. So if I have that contrary type mindset that comes against those people that come into my life, they, bear, they may be the very ones that God is wanting to graft in to his life. But the way they're grafted in is that I've got to be open as well to allow them to come to that place, to allow them to see Christ, to allow them to see his love, his long suffering, his kindness. So those people that are contrary to me are the very ones that God wants to graft in. Just as you and I were, we were contrary. We were wild olive branches. We were the, we're the Gentiles that have, they're, they were wild. They're not supposed to be with the olive tree. The very ones that are supposed to be grafted in are the very branches of the Jews. And they rejected him. So he took the wild branches and he grafted them, them in. Who would have thought that he would have allowed us to come into his bloodline? He loves all men. But even the Jews, which are the very olive branches that have rejected him, he is still open to those olive branches to come in and still be grafted in. So you'll have wild olive branches and you'll have true olive branches. But Christ is open to all who wants to come in and be bound to him, then we should be as well. I hope this makes sense. God doesn't want the leaves of his trees wilting at the ends of, the olive, of, the, of his olive branches. Do we have leaves that we've rejected and they're, they're, wildering, they're withering away? Do we have people in our lives that we know are supposed to be a part of our life, but we've rejected them? and they're dying out? Do we have people that we've rejected in the past that we may need to go back and, and repent and accept in our life? Only the Holy Spirit can convict, you, convict us of that. But he's going to have a family. 
Now I'm going to read this one thing about plants, and I want I'm going to do it very quickly with it. it. Says this is some things I just looked up, and I want you to listen. After we talked about this, <clears throat> I hope this helps. So I started studying a little bit of plant life. And I know there's a lot of other stuff that we can talk about plant life, and I'm sure sure some of you this may, you know, trigger some thoughts. May, you may even know some things that will help you through the Holy Spirit about plants. But I wrote these things down. It says plants naturally use and lose water through their tissues each each day. Leaf tips turn brown when they that when that lost water can't be replaced for some reason. Ideally, water flows from plant roots through stems and waterways until it finally reaches leaf tips last. But when water's limited, how many of us limited our water? When water is limited, other plant parts get served first and the tip cells lose out. The tip cells lose out and die from a, from a kind of drought. And I thought, man, I have been putting some people in a drought. Could those that are dry, that are connected to me, be mine? It's because I have not watered them. Anything that inhibits roots from absorbing enough water or supply it to uh, the plant fast enough can lead to unslightly brown tips. This includes providing the plant with too much water or too little water or too much fertilizer. Root damage or distress also prevent roots from doing their job. Those specific factors can differ between protected indoors plants and plants exposed to landscape outdoors. And brown tips arise from the same basic reasons. Once they turn brown, they, those dead tip cells can't be revived. But quick corrections help restore the rest of your plant to health. And here's a couple of things. How to fix what is happening to your life or your plant or to, uh, and others you're connected to. Get a first-hand look at what's underground. In other words, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what may be hindering your heart from allowing the waters, living waters, from flowing to everyone that comes into your life. Second, examine your soil that you're planted in. Are you planted in the right place with God? Or are you planted in the right place where there is true food for you and to grow and for others. Because the food that you receive, you do we do realize the food that we receive from Jesus is not, it's first comes to us and we've got to walk it out, but it's also for everyone else. And then the third is take a close look at your roots. Is what you're listening to truly revealing Christ or Jesus to you? Or is it revealing mystic things? Or is it, is it, is it something in your life that's not revealing Jesus? Anything that you're in your life that's coming to you that doesn't reveal Jesus, you might want to think about it. This is the root system. Is, is what you're listening to truly revealing the root of Jesse? If what you're following doesn't lead you to Jesus, it's not from God. Find those who have the right substance to give you life. Find those that have the right substance that gives life. In other words, that reveal Jesus to you, that, that gives substance to you. And then you'll be able to help others. And then lastly, get rid of what is stunning your growth. And we talked about that. 
Mine was just, I limited uh, God in my life. And if you limit God in your life, you're going to limit the people that are in your life. All right. I hope this helps. I'm sorry that we lost uh, contact there for a moment, but uh, we'll have these two sessions on our website so that everybody can get the full message. All right, guys, we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, today is our Susan and I's seventh year anniversary, and we're going to celebrate tonight. And Man, it's been so good. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, she is definitely the love of God that was, was planted in my life. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be here without her. And uh, so happy to be married to that. Uh, how could I say? She, I call her Tigger. A lot of times she's just full of life. And she's given me life for seven years. And, uh, and I thank God for it. So anyway, <clears throat> go, after go after Jesus. He's our source. And go after those withered uh, leaves that are in your life. Because they need the same substance as you're getting. Because we were those withered leaves at, at one point, And man, God accepted us in. And now we flourish. All right. We love you guys. Grace, grace. Bye-bye.